Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Ndumiso Sibanda is a Zimbabwean-born South African filmmaker, director, and photographer. He has directed some of South Africa's most loved TV shows, series, and commercials. As the owner of Jahunda Media and the director of seven films, Sibanda is an experienced filmmaker who has shot over 50 countries around the world. Ndumiso, we are so pleased to have you. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. When I was researching your work, two names popped up, Omawale and Nikanyi. Can you tell me more about those names? So the first one, Omawale. Omawale, I received in my travels. Um, I've been very blessed to be able to travel and work traveling on someone else's dime. And it's been very enriching. But one of the great times I was in Nigeria, and there's an artist named Madame Nike. Nike mm. has an art gallery. She's world renowned. She's amazing. She's just amazing. And we were having a conversation, and I was shooting and I was interviewing her. And she just assumed I was Nigerian. And in the end of it, she asked, Where are you from? And when I told her where I was from, she was like, No. Mm. <laughs> and the name Omowale means the sun has come home. So she oh, wow. gave me that name there. And I think it's it's nice. I was I was young enough to feel like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna keep this name and, and just add it to my just add it, just add it to my bag, just add it to my encounters, you know. That's lovely. The son who has come home. Mm. And is this Madame Nike from Nike Gallery in yeah, Nigeria? Oh my cool. goodness. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I've also researched her and she's incredible, <laughs> incredible woman. Um, I watched your short film entitled Spirit of My Work. You said in the very beginning, if Africa does not tell its own stories, Africa will soon disappear. Mm -hmm. This is very powerful. Can you tell me a little bit more about that statement? Definitely. So those are not my words exactly. Those are Mm -hmm. borrowed words from, you know, the legendary filmmaker Usman Sembeni. And and effectively we are responsible for our stories. We're responsible for our stories. Um, we're responsible to every single inch of our history. Um, so if Africa does not tell its own stories, Africa will soon disappear. We don't serve mm-hmm. our interests narratively sometimes. So quite often, I guess, the image and the Black African image um, can be really done with as what and whoever wants to do with it. So. When I say those things, I, I I just mean, I just mean, you know, I'm in a position where I'm the custodian of the realities of our stories. And if people like me and all of us collectively don't do anything about them, um, we won't, Africa will no longer exist. And that's borrowed from Usman Sembeni because I think he believed mm. at the time that you know, when he was telling stories, he knew, he knew why he had to. He was maybe considered the first. 
we don't have time to be called the first to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the collective doers and it has to be an ocean. Like in the same way as, as a single wave is what the whole ocean is doing. Yes. How we need to be propelling our narratives uh, together by force, which brings me to Inkani, the other word. Mm-hmm. Okay. Inkani. Inkani is just that. It's an adamance. I use the words contenting Inkani. Inkani. It's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it can be many things. It can be brazen. Just, it can be being stubborn. I, I'm talking about how we got to do this because yes. like, like, we have to. Ngenda. Yes, definitely. We have to do it. I, that was very beautifully said. And um, I guess it moves forward into the question, the next question that I have for you. There is a growing presence of African movies on Netflix and other streaming channels. The internet also has shrunk the world in a sense, but the collaboration also in, for instance, Beyonce's film, um, what is it, Goddess King? I forgot Mm. the the title, yes. (laughs) But that recent collaboration and connection of Africans globally, do you think this broadening of an audience has changed our responsibility as African storytellers? Do I think the broadening of, repeat that last part again, I just want to encapsulate it really well. Sure. Do you think that this broadening of audience and connection that we've had mm-hmm. um, has changed our responsibility of um, responsibility as African storytellers? Like what stories now are we specifically able to tell oh, okay. now that the world is listening? Now that the world is listening, I, I think there are different types of people in the world. There are people who need mm-hmm. to react. There are people who just do. And there are people who require quite a lot of momentum before they're able to do things. And I think mm-hmm. what Beyonce has done is that she's, well, let, let me not just say Beyonce, but let me say um, the way she did it was tasteful by including so many people. And, mm-hmm. and the narratives that were included in that, were like, I mean, one of the guys, Warren Masemola, he is a South African Star able to play the villain, able to play the father, able. So when we see him in these roles, it's 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 paying homage to our love for him. So what that does is there's a collective resonance and agreement mm. that yo man, um, she's dope in my language too. My language is dope as well. There's now a lot more to reference in an easier way. Sometimes mm. it's difficult. So again, remember I was saying there are different types of people in the world. Some people, it's harder for them to unhinge their jaws and say what they need to say. Seeing how it was put together or seeing how many different things are put together now because of the internet and our access to it, people's jaws are unhinged right now. They're able Mm. to do their things. Um, I'm so annoyed sometimes by these constant Wix adverts, just different guys, Wix, Wix. But I started to realize that I was I wasn't realizing that a lot of friends of mine were now becoming empowered to making their own websites from a mm. perspective that you know one day I know I am this type of person, but really I really want to be saying this thing. And then here I watched Black is King last night. You know what? I really want to start my uh, 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 I really want to start my painting journey, but I only want to use 
chalk or whatever it may be, but now you're finding ways to market yourself and talk about yourself. Um, it's made us, it made us, it's made us broader. Look, it's nice, it's nice to be inspired by other black people, you know, yeah. found inspiration in Hollywood. And it's nice to see other black people doing it from a perspective that when I say Hollywood, I mean metaphorically speaking of, of that image and that old God, you know, mm. that was in our reach now. So that's what I'm yes. within our reach. Thank you. And what do you feel is your responsibility as an African artist, as a Zimbabwean South African artist? Mm. What is your responsibility mm. as a storyteller? Mm. Mm. So my responsibility as a storyteller is to refuse untruths, first and foremost. Refuse untruths. Yeah, refuse untruths, first and foremost. I have to refuse untruths. And then I can have fun after that because then I know that my bedrock is not BS. You know what I mean? So my responsibility is really to make sure, I guess it's different in different places. In in the space I'm currently in, it's to make sure that non-South Africans have a voice in the content we make. And, and, And I know that that in a way subtly combats I guess the, you know, the disease that is xenophobia. And um, I use the word disease. It's funny. I wasn't expecting to use the word disease, but I did use the word disease. Why do you think that popped up first, saying that it's a disease? Because I see in conversations how infectious it is, um, how people get riled up, especially on Twitter. I, I, you know, I'm systematically shutting down a lot of my social medias because of how, um, you know, xenophobia spreads. I see mm. at some point you suddenly see a hashtag like hashtag foreigners must go. Mm. Now you're reading all sorts of bullshit that's kind of like weaving into this thing from, you know, I, I saw a meme, even, even, there's like this Zimbabwean actress who kills it on local TV, okay? Mm-hmm. And she's funny and she's loved, right? And everyone generally loves her. They generally all love her. They all love her. Everyone loves her no matter what tribe, what culture, your background is. If you're catching a show, you love her. Um, and at this point, when this hashtag was going around, someone was saying, you see, even their celebrities are famous here. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. You know, this is where it becomes like a disease, you know, where it becomes just like, you know, shit, man. You know, what someone coughed, you caught a two and you had to say something. I so I see it like that. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just also looking at it differently. I mean, I've got I've got a tattoo as a mother yeah. bird on my wrist. And I got it because I think I I am very proud. I'm very proud. And there's also that part inside me that yearns to be closer to home and to live. Yes and work at home. Um, and, and, and maybe this comes right back to my responsibility again and saying that my responsibility is to remain sharp because the stories that I really need to tell are waiting for me back home. And the bit mm. of my foundation where I say I need to refuse the untruths, I really also need, when I go back there, I need to have the attitudes that says, I'm gonna tell these stories no matter what. I mean, there are bills being proposed of uh, an accepted histories uh, thing that looks to deny certain histories. So anyway, a lot, a lot. Yes. Speaking of um, 
where you're from in Zimbabwe. What was your back, your family background like? How did you end up in South Africa? And what was it like um, as a Zimbabwean growing up in South Africa? You know, you know, it's so funny. I, my background, my background, I can remember my earliest memories are in this place called Gwanda. Gwanda is, is where the house of Jaunda is. It's where I was born. Mm. My father had chickens in the back and my grandmother had a lot of kids. And it was just, my mother was 21 and I was born. And two years later, they were in Cape Town finishing off their studies. I think they were doing their honors at UCT. They brought me along as well. So I kind of grew up as, you know, like, like these young 22, 21 year old, 23, 23, 22-year-old parents at UCT. I went to this UCT crash. I, 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 oh. I, I, you know, so I, I was very much a child of popcorn. You know how like a movie is, you know? I was a child that grew up in the shadow of my parents' journey and I got mm. to live their journey. So it wasn't a, 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 a single base I grew up with. I yearn for the single base now that I'm growing older, you know, um, but we moved a lot. <clears throat> And growing up in that, in, with these parents who at some point, you know, when you're 21, the whole world is marketing towards you. Mm. You, know? um, you and I, our age, I guess the world is no longer marketing towards us. We are not going to somehow change the trajectory of thinking based on our interests. No, these are the millennials. These are the 21-year-olds. These are the, or rather the Gen Zers, sorry. These are the Gen Zers, the 21-year-olds, the really young kids right now. That's who everyone is marketing to. Um, but then obviously under the carpet, I mean, we're all being marketed to. But <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've deviated from the original question so much. Um, That's fine. That's fine. Um, the I was just asking about your background, but you did very beautifully describe it. But continue. That's, so, so to sum it all up, my background is... Growing up in South Africa, uh, everything we did at home, the food I ate, the conversations mm. we had, we were Zimbabwean. When we left, yes. went outside the door, we went to South Africa, you know. Mm. It's, it's, there was a, uh, I've never used the word dichotomy. Is this the right time? There was a, there's a dual world. There's a dual yeah. world in this place where um, the subcultures I love are of, are of, two worlds because the music I listen to in the back, you know, it's, 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 it's lovely. It's really mm. lovely. Yeah. That's Numiso. That's how I ended up being here growing up and we are still here and we go back often. I did go back often. We grew up going back often with the yearning that, you know, one day, you know. So often as an African child, there's usually a message that you need to have a profession that is either, you know, a doctor or a lawyer, but very rarely about being an artist. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know what your support was like growing up with your knowledge that you wanted to pursue a career in the arts. My background feeds into this because I'm the child of those kids who were going through UCT and, and they studied psychology. <clears throat> they studied psychology. My father is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man in the kitchen and mm. on spices. So I was also a child of restaurants. Growing up, seeing his creativity, 
Nina Simone once came into his restaurant. You know what I mean? So growing up and being around his creativity and my mother, my mother's also a writer. She's creative. I did not, well, maybe I had the burden of legitimizing my artistry with a degree. That's as far as it got, not to say that I'm expected to be a doctor, but if I'm an artist, I'm expected to be an artist with a qualification. Um, maybe that's where I think the weight of it is, is that knowledge, uh, my parents do believe in knowledge having a certificate, you know, um, but I, I think I, I, I really, I really grew up in a, in a, in a world that did not put that pressure on me. Um, shame. I, 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 I didn't. That's so wonderful. And that's the same for me. My parents said that if you want to pursue a career in the arts, you have to get the education. Mm. You have to get the certification to be able to be the best in that mm. field. So I can relate to that. And I feel like it's beautiful that you had that upbringing because a lot of people don't. Yeah. So that's that's really powerful and, and, and lovely that your parents were able to, you know, foster <laughs> your your love for the creatives. Yeah. How how old were your parents when they had you? My mother was 18. Your mother was 18. Yes. Okay. So, you know, we, in a sense, grew up together, yeah. but also everybody um, in my family supported my growth and our journey. So mm-hmm. it, it was, I think that also plays in it that we were in an environment that she understood certain journeys and she's an artist herself. I I forgot to mention that. My grandfather was a journalist, but we have um, artists in our family, so. Lovely. (laughs) Yes. Um, What collaboration with another artist did you find the most inspiring? What collaboration with another artist did I find the most inspiring? There is something one can tap into within their own charge and creative force. And... I, I really love tapping into that when I do tap into it. And you only realize it when you look back and you're like, oh man, I was, that was a hot, that was a hot situation. And that's how I'm going to answer this question. So I made a trilogy of films called, well, I made a film called, well, it's, it became a trilogy called Love, Love, Love. Love, Love, Love was written as a release because I had been in so many long distance relationships. My life was long distance, you know? And um, I, I needed to release a part of myself that, you know, and, and just kind of do a, a poem the only way I know how to do it. So this film was based on all the voice notes we used to send, the, the way you know how a long distance relationship comes and goes when you get to that point where you're now just over it. And yeah, you know, yeah. So the film follows those things called Love, Love, Love. It's on Vimeo. And now that that series of films I collaborated with another lovely, 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 lovely Zimbabwean artist. Well, mm. her name, her name, her name is Phoebe Mwanza. And Phoebe is, she used to own a label called The Prodigal Daughter. So she also acted in the movie and we wore her clothes and it was, we, we just came together. We shot the film in one day in Melbourne in Australia. I was there for another assignment. We had one day to do it. And we had been emailing while I was in like this other place, like, yo, we're going to arrive, boom, boom. And it was great. It was so good. And then to close it off, 
the film needed a voice and my wife became the voice of the movie. So she added just her own part and you can hear in the way the chemistry is and the way we're talking to each other. It's just, it's very interesting. And I think that was such a collaborative force there. And then mm. of course, Epasin Lama Budango was just, I think, important work. It's a movie where we, a very good friend of mine, um, got into her Nebeda regalia, caught a taxi, went all the way to Johannesburg, um, Mandela Bridge, and walked across it. Areas that are known for rape. Um, um, also, at the same time, she was pointing at the fact that, you know, um, our, we are, we, when we get to Joburg, we make our culture so second class, we forget who we really are. And she was shedding that down. And she also wanted to show, you know, the gram that these systems are not really for us because watch, they're going to tear our pictures down. And, and, and it was mm. so much in it, but it was just such a collaboration, a collaboration of, of just dopeness. I, I think those two, I don't know, they've, they've, they've yeah, those two jumped to mind. I actually watched that film and I loved it because it shows a sense of pride, um, especially for women, Black women, where I think we're already ostracized and criticized. But that video was so powerful and prideful because she was wearing her traditional garb and just being herself, you know? And even with that, it's very intimidating for people to see, but in our true essence, that's when we're the most beautiful. And so that really, that film really touched me in a powerful way. Like, I really loved that film. Oh, blessings, 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 mm-hmm. blessings. I will tell, I will tell, um, how am I, Tulu Fellow, the actress, she mm-hmm. was amazing. She was amazing. She was, she was a leader. This, it's, that film is because she is, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the only way to see it. Um, you know, when, when one makes a film like that, knowing who we are right now, um, now you've obviously thought to yourself and had to unpack the male gaze. There is, yes. you've had to unpack the male gaze. Um, um, if, well, maybe you did. Um, what did you think that a guy shot that? What, what made me think that a guy shot that? You know, what did you think when you... I mean, there's so many layers to it. What did you think when, if you think, do you, is the fact that a man shot it prevalent when you want, I mean, what, um, yeah, yeah. I got your question. For me, I think number one, you're a feminist, that you support women and you love women and you have a respect for women. And second, I think that if you're already having inspiration to capture this, you have a respect for us. So that's simply it. I think a love and a respect for the black woman and for the Southern African woman in general, because you don't see that. You don't see women in their traditional dress walking down the street mm. just on a regular day, not for a special occasion or a ceremony. It's a regular day, <laughs> you know? And I just chose to wear my outfit. Yes. 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 Okay. 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 I, 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 I I don't ask that often, if ever. I just wanted to mm. what you saw, what you saw, um, because you know we are we we are so learned now. It's nice yes. conversation on a level and and just know the different levels in which this film, um, yeah, 
Yeah. But before anything, I smiled. smiled. When, when, yes. When, when she was being captured in the film, I smiled the entire time, just watching how people were reacting and watching how she was very much confident and just focused on what she was doing with her day and nothing else. It it was wonderful. Like the first thing that came was a smile on my face. Uh, I met the original music as well. <clears throat> from Tandy, really? Yeah, Tandin Dooley. Oh. Amazing jazz musician. She made that wow. for the film. And that, I mean, the song's amazing, hey? The song, mm. if you've never heard her music, you should listen to it. I would love to. I would definitely look her up. Um, so moving on to the next question. The world is like a blank canvas. What inspires you in general? Well, I'm going through a really interesting time. I, I, I'm going through a really interesting time. I, I've realized that I may not always be the easiest person to work with. Mm. May not always be, and 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 I just, um, I've realized how I, how how I make my art these days. Um, I'm gonna answer the question in a way it's gonna come back to itself, but. I'm working on being nicer in a way that, because oof, there's so many hands in the process of what we do. And I come at it in such an artistic way, I try to, that, that you know, it can, it can really, it, 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 it can require you to hold the reins so that the compromises are not compromises, but little bouts of magic that everyone gets to put and because you allow magic, you allow the process. Um, mm. So I think, I think, I think sometimes in this pursuit of the arts in this pursuit of how we do it um, now, I've been doing it for about 12, 14 years trying to get to this film thing and, 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 or, or whatever. I don't know how long I've been doing it for. I don't know. When does one start to say, I've been doing this for X, Y? I don't know. But I, I, I think right now, I love the art in this shit and I'm really inspired by people. Mm. And I also, I'm inspired, generally, I'm inspired by, oh man, I'm inspired by people who do what I do in a way that allows them to have the freedom I aspire to have. So I'm very inspired by Bradford Young, for example. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, he's a cinematographer. He's amazing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him, Bradford Young. I have. I've heard of Bradford Young, yes. Love Bradford Young because he applies intention based on, on, on self, self-motivated theory. Like he knows what he wants. He loves these reds. He knows his collaboration with Andrew Dosanmu. You know, they pushed each other. I love that mm. art can, can get a space, you know, um, and they push it. I'm, I'm really inspired by a lot of South African artists like Tandiswa Mazwai, who makes music from a place. So people inspire me in the way they live their supreme selves. I'm very inspired to unhinge my jaws. And generally as an artist, what inspires me, I think watching people. I drive often to like Hillbrow. I mm. love Yovo, the food, get my passport stamped without leaving the country when I go to Yovo, all the society, just watching people and then allowing that to feed into your mind. Because I'm really a, I, 
I love the future and space and vibes, you know, just, just science vibes. And one day I would love to take what we have around us and just give it a, give it a futuristic lick and just start to define what is the future for us and about us. So mm. I'm inspired by people to feed the future. People to feed the future. I love that. I read about your video with the rugby ball being passed from person to person and country to country. Mm. What was the inspiration and process of that video? And when was this? So um, DHL, uh, DHL is a really interesting company and they wanted to prove a point. They have a slogan that goes, no one knows Africa like we do. And they hmm. to take a car, drive all the way to the World Cup um, and they wanted someone to shoot it. Hmm. And we pitched to the company and we said that we would love to film this for you and we want to film Africa in a way that is not to shame, harm, or beg for US aid or anything. So I ended up being given this opportunity and we left on, if I remember correctly, 2014, October the 4th. And we arrived in, in the UK on September the 21st, 2015. So we drove for like a year almost. And it was so dope. It was so, mm. We passed the rugby ball. That was that was kind of ticking the laundry list of things because we essentially, they're a logistics company and they were taking a ball to the Rugby World Cup. We were also shooting the pride of the continent, little stories, photographs, little things, editing them while we're on the road. It was, you know, it had a profound effect on me that. Um, mm. And at the same time, it also defined, it defined how I would go on to work in the future, you know. So all of my uncles played rugby at Peter House, St. George's in Zimbabwe. Um, one of them said that American football was like uh, a sport for weak men because they wore equipment, like wore <laughs> um, the, the football equipment. But um, I wanted to know if you played rugby and did any of that influence the idea for the video or what you wanted to portray? Yeah, yeah, I love rugby. The first time I played rugby was I was five years old. And I was given at school, the school called Sachs in Cape Town. And I've been playing, well, I don't play anymore, but I, I played since I was five years old and I love it. Mm. My father played, um, he used to play um, at the University of Zimbabwe. He played a little bit at UCT. He played, so there was there's a culture of rugby in my family to the point where I loved rugby before I loved soccer. Mm, and I'm sorry, I meant American football. <laughs> he was, um, I was referring the comparison from American football to rugby when I had said my uncle was mentioning that it was a sport for a weak man because they wear equipment. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we all grew up with that, you know? I, I think people used to say that, like, yeah, in American football, they have helmets, they have this, they have that. Um, yeah, man, it's so interesting. Rugby. <laughs> Did you grow up in a big rugby culture? 
Um, well, I didn't, but um, during my childhood, when I was raised in Zimbabwe until I was seven, mm. um, but all of my uncles, everybody <laughs> was uh, played rugby as a sport. So I would hear it then, but not as I got older. Okay. So very, very, a younger time in my childhood, I had that experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, part of yeah. The was to say, did it influence the film? Yes. Yes, it, mm. it did, because I love rugby. And I think to meet other people who loved rugby, but it will also, this is a series of 34 films. So we released a film in each country and rugby was, I think, a, a motivating part of it. But if you watch the films, discovery is, is, is motivating. And I was this young kid, you know, I, I would do it so much differently now if I were to go back, um, but it was nice. It was, it was nice to do. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't known for shooting <laughs> mm. I shot this thing. So you're learning and you're, you're doing what your heart feels, you're, whatever you desire to do. So there was a lot right. of art in that. There was a lot of, in like, the, even the way we would get our stories, we would use the gram. Like I would contact people in a country, make friends with them. We would arrive in that country and I would hang out. Mm. And, you know, there is such a beautiful thing about meeting people like that. Like, just tagging into a situation, your favorite. Yes. I met Malik Sidibe because of that. Really? I interviewed Malik Sidibe because of that. He invited me into wow. his home. And oh my goodness. These are these are moments, you know. I photographed him. So these these are moments that 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 rugby brought. So <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did not talk to Malik Sidibe about rugby, <laughs> if you feel me. That's fine. But he's a legend. I absolutely love yeah, <laughs> Malik work. Oh, my goodness. That's wonderful. It seems like you've met a lot of wonderful and interesting people through this journey of um, your storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to know, because I feel like it's important for us not only to learn about your journey and who you are, but how can we see your work? You also mentioned that you had over 30 films um, of this series of um, the video, but where can we, do we have access to seeing that video? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so impatient. And because I'm impatient, so much of my stuff is online, um, mm. hidden somewhere. So the, the 30 videos, you can go to YouTube and type in okay. DHL Africa as one. One word. Okay. Um, well, yeah, DHL separate. Africa is one, one word. Um, and it's the, it's the words, not the number. Africa as one. And hopefully it takes you, it's, it's weird. The website no longer exists, so it should take you to a playlist of 34 films. And okay. you just pick a country, Malawi. Pick a country and you watch three minutes I was the voiceover person. You will know when you see these films that that's the one. Um, I have a website as well. My website, ndumisosmanda.com. Uh, there are quite a few films there. Some of my work lives there as well. Mm. And Vimeo. Vimeo is where I keep my film trilogy. Love, love, love lives on Vimeo. Ndumisosmanda Vimeo. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there. Wonderful. For the young artists listening who may be from South Africa or the Southern African region, mm. can you say what was what has 
um, brought you to the work that you do now? And was it a formal educational experience? Did you also have an experience teaching yourself? Tell me about the process of how you got where you are. Mm. I, I, I think keep learning. Keep learning. Mm. I got where I am because I picked up a new skill after the skills that I had studied. And they all fed into each other. So, for example, I studied, and it's great to study because studying is not necessarily about the books you read and the things you learn, but it's about being around like-minded people in a constant capacity to evolve. So, yes, the books are important. You forever learn things. The knowledge is important, and you keep learning and you retain it because that's a given. I, I, I don't want to go on about that, but the people that are around you and the arguments, the debates, the way you challenge yourself to be better, to compete. I'm competitive. I love to compete and to compete against people that are there. Um, I studied directing and I studied editing. And one day on a shoot, and this is, this is maybe a bit dodgy, but someone came through and was like, yo, do you want to buy a camera? And I looked at him and I said, yes. And I walked to the ATM. We were shooting. I said, like, hang around. I walked to the ATM. I drew the money he wanted. Now, this is not an above the board deal. You know, I just, I paid whatever he wanted. I got this camera and I used it every single day and I would go and take shots. I bought lenses and, and I did whatever, whatever. And I used this camera and I shot photos that I liked. And two years later, I got an opportunity to pitch in a job and I was now shooting the whole continent. Now, mm. I would not have had the confidence to to even be in a room and say, yo, pick me. If I also did not, and at that time, it's not to say that I'm the best shooter out there. I'm just someone who loves holding a camera, you know? And I'm just someone who loves telling a story. So there is a divine spice that took place where I'm sold this camera, I buy this camera, I trade myself for two years, I shoot and I become an enthusiast and, and, and my framing is... And, and, and also I'm working, you know, I'm doing these things. I understand the basic rules of what I want as a director, but now suddenly I've got a metal hand, you know, and my metal hand can work for me. And, and if you're at home and, you know, yes, you're about to study, but it's, this, it's, it's the time you put in behind the time you have to put in that really, I think, gives you real legitimacy over your craft. And craft is really something that is constant throughout your whole life. And how you choose to take a bite out of craft is defined by your own, I guess, spirit towards that journey. And I think you won't have a spirit if you're just one who's just going to hit the books. One mm -hmm. who's going to hit the books because the books are lovely and we love to have conversations where the books are guiding forces. But... In the heat of the night, the passion says, do what you do best, do it, do that, do what you know, do what you've experienced, do those things, react, live, you know, um, make, make the work become mm. all things that you don't do from a book. I, I do want to talk more about the technical side of art. What type of equipment do you use? And is it expensive? Do you have to be creative in how you find equipment? Um, I know that 
a lot of our listeners um, are either starting off or don't really have um, much experience to know what equipment to use. So I just wanted to know if you can share more of the technical side of um, what you use. Definitely. So I've I've used various, I've used different cameras. I've used DSLRs and I currently use a mirrorless camera called the Panasonic GH5. Now okay. it's not a camera that is it's not some super high-end camera, okay? Although it's a camera that is super duper duper. Um, um, it does slow motion really nicely, 180 frames per second. It does everything I need. So if I want to tell a story that requires really smooth slow motion in 4K, I can, I can, I can, I can do it with this camera. I can go for, I, I can do the things I need to do with this camera. Um, and I'm very creative with how I build around the camera. Because as you know, a camera is not just a camera. A camera is lenses. And I don't have the budget to spend because um, I buy my stuff at B&H in the States. I don't buy my stuff. Mm. But my stuff's in dollars. So I don't, I don't, I'm always trying to get good deals. So I, I go into like these, our equivalent, well, I won't say our equivalent, but there's Bid or Buy. Do you know Bid or Buy? I don't know. Bid or Buy is like eBay. And okay. Now you go there and sometimes people are selling a, a whole old camera, like a Nikon camera, but you're just looking at the lens on that camera. And you're like, yo, that is a real dope lens. And the whole package comes to like 500 Rand, which is what comes up to like $15, $20, $25, $30. I don't know. But at that point, at that point you've struck gold because that's a vintage lens that's going to give you a film look. And now mm. you are marrying, I guess, the paintbrush and the metal hand because a newer lens will give you a newer look, a very clean digital finish. And sometimes okay. you want to have this like really nice, you know, lens with characteristics. And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful 50 year old lens not much wear on it and you get it at a good price and you match it with a new camera like a GH5 like I've got. Um, in fact, right now, while you're there. Yes, please. I'm going to grab this right here is my favorite lens. It is a 50-year-old lens. And when I match it up with my GH5, this camera here, I get some of the best images because they are made from an intuitive place. I get to really... I can play with my frame rates and just like have lights doing all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. And playing with the emotion in the film and really adding layers. And this film does that. When I traveled Africa, I used something called a, a Canon 5D Mark III. Now, mm -hmm. Canon 5Ds are the shit. They are lovely. They are lovely. They're lovely because they, they were the first cameras that came out that put filming power in the hands of human beings and civilians and not institutions and corporations. Mm. So um, I used that camera, it was a tank and it was amazing. And I, uh, you'll see my footage. If I look back on that footage, I would have loved to have shot that whole Africa thing on this. But that camera was special because in a moment's notice, I could switch it to stills and I could take the perfect still I needed to take in certain moments. And, and the job then, was to blog every day, shoot every day, shoot video, shoot photo mm. every day. And it was a really draining experience, but one in which for every, every time you were so tired, 
there would be a, a part of yourself that is like, this is amazing. Everything you're doing right now is amazing. This whole world, you're traveling, this, it's amazing. So you just kept going. And the gear, I trusted the gear. So always make sure you trust your gear. I trust my gear, my GH5. Back then I trusted a Canon 5D. And these are the cameras that took me over time and time again, got me where I wanted to get. As I want to level up now, I want to go to a cinema camera and start to make cinema documentaries so that mm. Netflix can be like, yo, we like what you did. Then what did you shoot on? Because they've got a list of cameras. Okay. And you have to shoot on a specific list. Otherwise, your films, it, it's harder to get them on Netflix. I mean, Spike Lee had to, Spike Lee had to have a bit of a tug of war so that he couldn't... Mm. 16 millimeter film in his movie, The Five wow. Months, you know. Yeah. Okay. I I I come from a background of fine art. Mm. Um, painting was my concentration. And I have to admit that I'm completely ignorant about what the role of a director does. Mm. Can you tell me more about that? Um, my boyfriend and I had the debate about it as to what the role is. But um, now that you're sitting here and you're a multidisciplinary um, storyteller, please, please tell me what a director does. A director, to put it simply, is there to protect the vision of the story and to guide it in a very specific way. What that means is, imagine a director like Steve Jobs very much behaved like a director. He knew that he wanted a very specific product and he knew that to get this product, he wanted certain emotions like make it easy for people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he had to guide the process to that, to that product. So a director has a script and every director asserts their will over the script. Yeah, it is. It's an assertion of will because mm. you conjure up a concept in your mind a world that didn't exist beforehand, that world can include yellows and blues. That world can include everyone in the whole film has, a, has an Afro. Everyone in the whole film wears whatever, whatever, whatever. You've, you're creating cinematic rules. And then now, once you've created said cinematic rules and you've got them on paper, you then now take this and each head of department now brings their magic into that vision that you've now solidified. And then they feed their soul into that. And you just make sure that they are doing the, the right way. Is the camera guy shooting on a lower angle to give a hero type demeanor to the character at this point in the film because she has now overcome what she had not overcome in the beginning. And everyone is subtextually diving into the truths of this film, but who is there to protect the vision? The director. Because now if everyone decides that they're gonna tell their own story at that point, you have a hot mess. You'll have this hot, hot mess. So the director is there to take responsibility of the vision and to guide it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for explaining, because now <laughs> I understand what the role of a director is. Um, my last question to you is, what work are you most proud of? I'm most proud of Epasin Lama Putango. I am most proud of it. I am most proud of it, you know. And I think hindsight gives me that 2020 vision. I've not yet made the films that... Yeah, I, you know, time, my heart 
and my my heart sees time fondly my mind sees time very linearly and fondly is like in a non-linear way so quite often i would love to answer this question after having shot that work that says that one right there and epasin namaputango is that work but I, 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 I think there's something else. And in my mind, my mind is very linear. Yeah. Epasin Lama Putango. Boom, 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 boom. Dumiso, this has been so wonderful. And I appreciate you for coming onto our show. Where can listeners follow your journey and see what you're doing? Please share all of your social media information and website. Okay. I am on Instagram, Ndumeso Zimbanda on Instagram. Um, you'll go to my page, you'll see it's me. Um, I recently did a bit of an Instagram sanitizer. So the, the, the stuff I've got right now is actually from the trip. So it doesn't take too far. You'll just be in my 2015 trip as you're going down in that journey. My website, I always use my name, ndumesosibanda.com. I'm Dumiso Smanda on Instagram. I am not on Facebook anymore. I did also, yeah, I'm not on Facebook anymore. And you can catch my stuff on Vimeo, Dumiso Simanda. And yeah, yeah, just, just, just watch the space. I, 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 I'm really enjoying who I am because I've taken the time to work the pre-production. So. When everything starts to go into production, it'll be a nice time. Right now, we are quiet. We are, we are, we are, we are learning to stitch, and we are stitching. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank All you right. so much, Andy. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. What's up, beautiful people? Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Here is your quote of the day. Movies are like an expensive form of therapy for me, Tim Burton. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share, and have a great day, people. Peace.